Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 28 of Motion Picture Pals. I am a rat the size of a man. With me is Rebecca Markley. Hello. And our producer, Travis Leaton. Hello. And this time we watched Ratatouille from 2007, everybody's favorite rat movie, uh, directed by Brad Bird, starring Patton Oswalt, Lou Romano, Janine Garofalo, Ian Holm, Peter O'Toole, and many others. Rebecca... You had us watch Ratatouille. Uh, I think we can probably skip you describing Ratatouille because I assume everybody has seen it. Uh, so why don't you tell us why you had us watch Ratatouille? I wanted to watch Ratatouille because I was tired of watching like films that were kind of disturbing and like lingered in your brain. And I just wanted to have like a good old fucking time watching a movie then then we could have a discussion about it because i was just looking for like a breath of fresh air to be honest um a palate cleanser yeah a palate cleanser like a nice good metaphor like a nice breadstick uh so you'd seen this before yes i'd seen it many times it was one of the f- the few movies my parents actually owned because you up. had a drawer uh, that I remember when I'd go to your house when we first started dating, and there was like ten movies in it, and yeah. like four of them were Harry Potter movies. Living in it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There was one rat that was living in it. It was Rat and It was Remy, everyone's favorite rat. Yeah, um, that and like Dumbo, and then I think Finding Nemo were like the movies. Yeah, and then yeah, Harry, Harry Potter. Potter. Yeah, that's what I remember you having. Do you remember they remade Dumbo? Like. A couple years ago, I remember that they did it. I've not seen I, it. I never or really saw it. I don't know about who's it. Ever I just remember it. that they like got rid of the really racist crows. Probably a good move. Seems like a good idea. Yeah, they, and then they're like, very racist in the original one. Yeah, they are. <laughs> like the main ones named like Jim Crow or something. Really yeah, just cringy. not even trying. Yeah, and then I think they tried to like make it this like weird utopia world at the end and people were just like what the fuck just we just wanted dumbo please yeah, give me the give me the elephant give me the cute baby elephant spare me the magical realism yeah just make the elephant fly with physics god damn it <laughs> uh yeah yeah i i saw this when it came out i vaguely remember uh so i would have been about 13 when this came out in 2007 I remember taking my younger cousins to go see it uh, along with, I think, my uncle uh, and really enjoying it. And I don't I think I've only seen it a couple times really since then. But I mean, I remembered liking it a lot, but it wasn't something that I would really go back to in any way. But after watching it this time, I think it's going to be one I come back to because what a fucking delight this movie is. I loved this like way more than i remembered liking it in the past but travis you had never seen this right no i had never seen this movie what did you think i'm i'm dying to know um i i just thought this was like one of the most insane movies i've ever seen (laughs) Um, just like every single thing that happens in this movie is really confusing and like surreal 
And I don't know, just like every scene, I was just sitting there trying to like process <laughs> what was happening and like why these people are reacting the way that they're reacting. And I told you when we picked this film, I told you I hadn't seen Ratatouille before. There's a lot of Pixar films I haven't actually seen, but recently I I I, uh, I watched Cars for the first time because <laughs> I heard that was a weird movie. And Cars, like, I think what I figured out about Cars pretty quickly was that like none of the world building in cars makes any sense. And it's really apparent like immediately if you start thinking about this world of cars and like what the, like how the cars fill in for people and why like some cars seem to be more like cars and some are more like people. And then some are like (laughs) some, some, some vehicles are animals, I guess. (laughs) And then like, I don't know, do the cars reproduce it? Like you, you just, it just starts unraveling like immediately. And so like, I, I I knew that you weren't supposed to think about cars in that way, so I stopped. I mean, I tried to stop, but I couldn't. <laughs> I was um, gonna say it doesn't sound like you actually stopped, <laughs> right? But 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 then Ratatouille, Ratatouille is different because it's like it's not that convoluted. It's just that like it sets up rules for its world that seem like like okay, there's a bunch of rats that they they live under this woman's house and like. The rats can understand humans, I guess, and like everything's fine. But then just like stuff happens that just like seems to like implode all of the world building. Like when Linguini like realizes that this rat wants to be a chef, he he's not even like phased by it. He's like he's fine with it. He's like, I'm going to put this rat on my head and the rat's going to do like witchcraft or something. That's never explained either. Well, how come the rat can do like is the rat doing magic or is it just like a physical gag with his hair that you're not supposed to think too hard about? I don't know. <laughs> this movie is just bizarre. Yeah, it's, I, it's just a gag. God, but it's like such an integral part of the plot. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I. I just kind of accepted it. I was like, oh, haha!" He like pulls on the hair and Linguini's like, that's weirdly involuntary. And then they like practice it and it's, it's fine. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, but I will grant you it is an insane movie. Absolutely. I feel like as a grown up <laughs> watching Ratatouille, I definitely it definitely felt way more insane. Like when the rats take over the restaurant yeah. and they're just like. <laughs> A sea of rats just like running around like that is repulsive. <laughs> that is so gross. And I don't know, just that. And like when they all fell out of the it was the ceiling that they were living in the old lady's yeah. house. And they like and she like shoots the ceiling down and they all just come crashing into her living room and all the eyes. I was like, oh, God, they all scamper out of the, the doors and windows. I had I had seen that scene before without realizing it as someone's like YouTube edit where it was set to an Imagine Dragons song. Like this really intense <laughs> Imagine Dragon song as she's like firing the shotgun at the rats. And I didn't know it was Ratatouille. I, I just thought, I don't know what I thought it was from. So that was all I could think about when I saw that. And also, I, the film opens on like a shot of the house. And then there's just like a gunshot. And I thought Ratatouille began with a suicide at first. <laughs> oh, no. I was trying to look up this video you're talking about. I don't know I where it is. I don't yeah, even I can't think it's a popular it. video. I don't know how you would find it. I can't imagine why. Yeah, there, there. I mean, obviously, it doesn't begin with a suicide, but there are really dark turns that this movie takes. Like, uh, I mean, the fact that this woman is just like firing a shotgun at these rats in the beginning is just like, boy, that's 
I couldn't really see that getting okayed now, even though it's only like 14 years since this came out. Is like I think I have to assume people are a little more like leery of putting potential gun violence in children's movies. And there was also like the domestic violence scene that you saw with like the two very French oh, that's people right. and the guy's like, oh, I don't think you have it in you. And the gun goes off and then they like make out passionately as like Remy is running through the walls. Um, <laughs> I was kind of worried because I remembered that scene just from like because I watched this movie so many times. Um, but I was really worried that it wasn't going to like hold up to 2021, um, I guess, sensibilities. sensibilities. And I was surprised that it kind of it did for the most part. There were like a couple of things like all the gun violence, I don't think would have been nearly as as prevalent now. But I don't know. Yeah. And the other dark moment is when uh, Remy's dad, whose name is Django. What? Also, I learned while writing the notes for this. <laughs> Fuck. Uh, when he takes him to see, like, I guess the like exterminator shop that just has like rat corpses in its window, which is like, I don't know if that's a real thing. Yeah, I but. wrote Remy's dad makes him look at severed rat heads like the scene in Game of Thrones. Oh, yeah, like Joffrey <laughs> taking Sansa up to the, the head spikes. Yeah, is it Django with a J or a D? It's with a D. Okay. So, I don't know, make of that what you will. I don't know if maybe that's like a more common name in France, because uh, everybody's name is French, even though the rats are American. Oh, that also reminds me, as far as I can tell, all of the voice actors are also American, which just means they're like English or American people doing like pretty outrageous French accents, with the exception of uh, Peter O'Toole as Anton Ego, who just sounds like Peter O'Toole. But <laughs> it was funny to imagine like uh, Ian Holm, like, oh, that rat stole my documents. <laughs> <laughs> like, you just couldn't find any French people to do these voices. <laughs> But I mean, I'm glad they didn't because that's a hilarious <laughs> mental image is just like all these people walking into the studio and then being like the the French, the taunting Frenchman from Monty Python. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think another thing I meant to say this earlier is a little bit awkward now, but uh, something I was going to say about this is like, it's also very difficult for me to be objective about this movie because I did like it so much as a kid. And like, in a way, it's very responsible for like my love of food and cooking, not solely responsible, but it's like one of the big, I think, reasons I kind of got into that when I did and as like deeply as I did. Because uh, I was really into Anthony Bourdain at the time, and I read his review of Ratatouille, and he, he really liked this movie as well. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just I, I definitely have sort of like felt like Remy hearing the music in his head while he eats ingredients while I was like trying to put together dishes, which is fun. But uh, yeah, so I don't know this this movie is more integral to my sort of experience than I realized. And I, I kind of had that realization on this watch, which was fun. For whatever reason, that reminded me that I had this like uh, Game Boy game of Ratatouille <laughs> when I was younger as well. 
Um, and it was a whole bunch of just like platforms that you had to like run through and like do obstacles. And I just remember like a couple of scenes where you were just like jumping over the rooftops and like Paris very much like when Remy first arrives in Paris and then like dashing through the kitchen with like the grill like the 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 gas underneath the the oven or the stove going off and like you know being stressful for the rat hiding underneath it I don't know I just I guess I also forgot how I guess impactful this movie was on my childhood until just now um, this sounds exactly like Assassin's Creed, but with a rat. I would love to play a Game Boy Advance version of Assassin's Creed. <laughs> I guess speaking of that scene, uh, I really like when he climbs up onto the roof and realizes he's in Paris because like, it's such a beautiful scene. I think just like visually, it's so fun. And that's kind of how Paris actually looks, which is really weird. I assume there's some kind of... Uh, building code in Paris where like you can't have a building taller than like five or six stories or something. Yeah, I think uh, Yeah, which is why the Eiffel Tower just sticks out so extremely, but very fun. I I've only been to Paris once and I wasn't there for very long, but my experience there such as it was, like this movie kind of captures how it looks and feels very well in a way that like i haven't seen other movies do in that way yeah i would agree um especially with just like the food culture um as well i was in paris for a couple of days and we went to a lot of different places and just like felt and like the places that we went to were like very french and they were like chosen specifically because they were like a very very french experience and so i think that's kind of like where a lot of the overlaps happened none of it was like fine dining um but still kind of like had that i don't know that sort of i guess like essence had like the very like french vibe like people out sitting like on um like the on the sidewalk and they're like open bistros and like cafes um it's like a lot of like hustle and bustle a lot of scooters <laughs> so many scooters lots of scooters i was underwhelmed by the amount of scooters actually when i went to france because everybody was like oh there's so many scooters but i had act i i had been to southeast asia before going to France and I was like this isn't even that many scooters look at all these tiny cars like that's the real story here yeah the tiny cars like everybody has like a tiny fiat yeah I also like I don't know if like how intentional this is but Chef Skinner has like a large Cadillac kind of looking car and he's like a very tiny man which I just that was very funny to me but like the health inspector's tiny electric car, I thought was hilarious. Uh, and I guess vulnerable to rat attacks. So. Yeah, very vulnerable to like. <laughs> I guess that's something. Rat I swarms. <laughs> <laughs> I was also wondering uh, where this kind of fits in your personal Pixar canon, because for me, this one's like way up at the top with like probably Inside Out, and I saw Soul and really enjoyed it. But I think it's maybe just because I saw it so recently that I liked it so much. I'll see. But I don't know. 
Travis, it sounds like this is maybe somewhere towards the middle for you. Yeah, I, I think so. Uh, there's quite a few I haven't seen, but like, I mean, my favorites, I think, are probably Monsters, Inc. and The Incredibles. I might be forgetting a movie, but I don't know. That's what's coming to mind right now. Yeah. Yeah, I think my favorite right now is Soul. I just really liked it when we, when, when we watched it. Um, this is up there in my favorites. Um. And I really liked Wally when I saw it, but I only saw it like one time in theaters and haven't really rewatched it. I've, I think I've only seen Wally once since I saw it in theaters, but. Yeah, the only time I've ever seen Monsters Inc. though was like when I was at church camp. And I'm pretty <laughs> sure I got a concussion right before we started watching it. And so I was not feeling very well. And then I fell asleep <laughs> during the actual watching of it. And so, yeah, that's my, that's my Monsters, Inc. story. Yeah. The first time I saw Inside Out, I was working at my university as like an event technician. And uh, we were having a really difficult time getting the projector screen set up and then getting the laptop to like project sound through our like soundboard setup and so we ended up starting the movie like almost an hour late but i had to like troubleshoot this in the middle of this huge crowd outside when i was in college and that oh, really no. sucked that was a, a bad experience but like i know it was a good movie because i just really enjoyed watching it at the same time even in spite of all that so I don't know, at least it has that going for it. But then I watched it again in a less stressful context, and it was great. Good, yeah. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, about the food culture, too. Uh, that's obviously, like I was saying, something I really love about this movie. Um, and I knew that they, they being, like, the animators and the, the writers, um, they had spent time in, like, actual fine dining establishments which is really cool and i mean i think it really comes through in the movie how like accurate it is and this is it's uh the movie has received praise from chefs saying this is like one of the most honest depictions of what it's actually like in a in a kitchen like this what to have a rat on your no head? obviously not that part <laughs> come on uh we we like to kid around on this show folks uh, but uh what actually where they uh spent time was in the the french laundry which is thomas keller's famous restaurant uh, i believe it's in la i know gavin newsom got in trouble for eating there without a mask during <laughs> like one of the lockdowns in california gavin newsom's the the governor uh so that was I don't know, a fun little callback, but uh, yeah, Thomas Keller is like one of the more famous like chef people out there, or at least was at one point. I don't know if he still is, but he's he's a big deal in any case and only would have been uh, more so in 2007. And he also has a voice cameo. He's the patron who's like, yeah, yeah, we know about the specials, but like, what can the chef make that's new? which is, I don't know, that's a fun cameo. Uh, and then I also read that the animators went to Paris and they went on these motorcycle tours of the city and ate in like the top five restaurants as well, which is shit, man. I got to get a job like that. <laughs> but yeah, I, I just, 
it's so fun how they manage to convey that and especially the the scene that is like it's kind of corny but i it's also really endearing where colette is uh pointing out all the people and being like oh this is their story and like aren't we all just like a bunch of misfits because like kitchens are kind of like that i worked in a kitchen not for a very long time but it's a it's a similar feel it's it's interesting how well they did with that I mean, I feel like that's a pretty common stereotype where like, it, you know, I feel like kitchens just sort of like collect people. Um, mostly criminals. Yeah, mostly just like unsavory people, not, you know, entirely unsavory, but like they're they're hard places to work. Um, oh, yeah. I've never worked harder than when I worked in a kitchen. Yeah. And so like you either have to like really love food or you're kind of like there because there's aren't a lot of other options for for you, I would imagine. Yeah. Yeah, but definitely. I mean, that was that was basically the vibe when I worked in a kitchen. And I think anybody who's anybody in the industry will tell you that, like, cooks are basically without fail, either like completely out of their mind or just like convicted criminals. (laughs) And that's like the only job that will like hire you which is like fucked up and it, it's a whole other set of circumstances but it's also like it doesn't really matter what your past is if you are willing to you know do this like really difficult sometimes dangerous work for like eight to ten hours a day five days a week or more uh good on you you know uh it was also i remember a big wake-up call for me because i was hearing about like how difficult like I don't know if this is how it actually was, but in my memory, it's like I heard about like, you know, oh, cops have like such a hard job. And then I was just like, I don't know. I feel like all these cooks probably work harder. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) they don't get to like sit in their car and like listen to music. Yeah, I feel like you're just like constantly running around in like a high stress environment. Um, Or you can't move at all because you have like way too much to do. And like you burnt all the skin off your fingers. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Speaking of that, actually, I really love the details they put on all of the the human characters. Like uh, Colette has the little uh, pink burns on her forearms just above her wrist from like when you brush against the hot pan or when you grab something out of the oven and you like touch the door. Uh uh, there's just so many little details like that that I don't know. They really make the the movie for me. They're just like it's so fun and like generally I'm not really swayed one way or the other when it's just like oh ho, ho, you notice that in the movie like I tend to not think that makes a movie good. But in this one it's like I don't know. It's fun. It's fun and I think it shows an attention to detail. And like the important details of like what it's actually like to to work in a kitchen that I don't know, I think that make this movie so enjoyable for me. I think it's a really interesting sort of like rags to riches story as well, where there's this like rat who's like literally like living in squalor gets to like, you know, move up in the world and and I guess make food at like a very prestigious um you know, like French restaurant and like similarly with like uh, Linguini, 
so that his name is Linguini. They have like the dumbest names and I love it. Um, kind of like, you know, we get to see his like shitty apartment where he like sleeps on the couch <laughs> and has like a way too old TV, but like a beautiful view of the city. And I don't know. I just I really like that. And then, you know, I guess at the end, like he has this like fucking huge mansion when he discovers that he's the the son of of Gusto. Yeah, inherits the restaurant and becomes the celebrity chef. Yeah. <clears throat> I kind uh, of didn't like that plot point. Like, I feel like he's... it could have done without. Yeah, I didn't like the sort of the the, the inheritance revelation. Um, yeah. I don't really have a lot to say about that, but I'm just throwing that it, in there. It does feel extraneous. It does feel like... It's not very necessary. I know uh, production of the film was like handed off to not Brad. It's somebody else named Brad. Uh, it's like Bradford something. I just remember seeing it in the credits and thinking it was funny, but I assume it was one of those things that was probably more important before they kind of reworked the story and it just kind of stayed in there. But I, it's kind of seemed like. You could have done without it, like maybe just Remy's success would have pushed Skinner out of the kitchen and I don't know. I mean, I guess I just liked how they both paralleled each other. And I just thought that was nice just because they're I guess they are, you know, they were so integral in each other's, I guess, success there. Yeah. What? Who? Linguini and, and Remy? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Did did Remy inherit land? No, but he gets to like. I don't know. He gets to sort of like live this like posh life that we get to see at the end, you know, with like oh, they're okay. like all living in the bushes and like they're playing their like cute little like rap music. What is rap music? <laughs> when they're like playing the paper clips and they have the uh, like accordion made out of uh, like pop tabs or whatever. Yeah. Okay, I, and I like maybe I wasn't able to pay attention to all these little details because I was so distracted by like the fact that a fucking rat is controlling this man. And nobody yeah. seems to really care. <laughs> <laughs> Except Skinner, and he's sort of like made fun of for that. Or like he's yeah, like becomes him, like the joke. Even, I don't even feel like his reaction is realistic because he's just like, oh yes, the the rat controls him, of course. I need to get proof of this. It's like that's not <laughs> that's not how a normal person would react. I think a normal person would go home and like just take a week off and just think about the like how the world works and stuff. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe go to the hospital. <laughs> also, okay, so why does Remy want to make human food? I feel like this is never explained. Because uh, he he just could, uh, he could, well, I mean, he can read, which I think is maybe the more pressing question of, like, why. This is another but, good question. Yeah, but I mean, I thought it was just he would sneak into the house and he would watch, you know, uh, Gusto on the cooking channel and read the book Anyone Can Cook. I mean, I think it was just the book is called Anyone Can Cook and he took that to heart is kind of what I assume right. is the reason for that. But I guess what I, I wondered I, but was... I think it's also like I think part of it, too, is that when you are really passionate about food it's just what you want to do much like you're kind of driven towards any other creative process as like an artist would be. And so I think that that's what is driving 
Remy, I mean, I, and I get that from his conversations with uh, little the little fairy Gusto that like <laughs> floats around him. But right. uh, oh, I have so many more questions about that guy too. <laughs> but yeah, I, I guess just I, I don't understand why he wants to make human food. Like clearly, there's a rat society. Is there not like fine rat dining? Do there is there not like rat sized food or like? rat exclusive dishes i'm just because no, they all eat garbage to... okay so why does and Remy it's like, not oh, it's like a... to eat garbage because he has an overly developed sense of smell and so he tastes all the garbage okay and wants to eat like good tasty human food i don't know yeah i guess the other thing i wondered was are these the only literate rats like is this a special rat colony or I think Remy is, is like the only literate rat. Wait, Remy is the only? I yeah. thought all the rats could like talk and stuff. I don't think so because when you... Because when he and Emil break into the house and he's just like, oh, here it is, the cookbook. And Emil's like, what? You can read? Yeah. It's like a, it's like a, he reacts to it as if other rats can't read. Yeah. Oh, okay. But the rats can all talk to each other. That's that's why I guess I Yeah, they have their, like, little squeaky rat language. They have their rat language. Yeah. Right. And I don't think that Remy and Linguini can actually, like, communicate, like, verbally. Like, I think... But Remy can understand Linguini. Yeah. We do know that. Yeah. Because, like, that's the whole thing in the beginning when he's, like... Did you just nod? Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. And, like... I guess can communicate with body language. But then that's also like the issue when he is first trying to control Linguini and he's like running all over him and like biting his hands, which is another fun detail that you can see the little bite mark on his knuckle. Yeah. For like a couple of days. And I also oh, yeah. love that little and detail. Also, when Remy runs down into Linguini's pants, uh, Linguini's boxers have the Incredibles logo on them. Oh, I missed that. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't see that. That's, that's fun. That's good. Uh, this was this was in regards to Rebecca, your comment about uh, Linguini being instrumental to Remy's success, which like he is. I'm not disagreeing with that, but I we co- I commented on this as we were watching of just like Linguini is like unbelievably useless as a character in this movie and <laughs> never really has a redemption beyond can roller skate. <laughs> It's like that's all he does is he just like skates around and is like fast at pouring wine and like distributing menus and taking orders. But like he's just still kind of like a dumbass the entire time, Uh, which I thought I don't know. It's funny how little of an arc so many of the characters have like Remy kind of does. And I guess the rat colony as a whole kind of does. And like Ego obviously has like the biggest character development. But for the most part, the human characters are are pretty flat in that like they just kind of have their one motivation and they just kind of stick to it, especially Linguini. I think it's like it's so funny that so little actually happens with him. Yeah, it is sort of like a very kind of plot driven film or like story in that there's like not a lot of exploring motivation or really like questioning like why uh linguini is like a marionette with his hair um (laughs) i love that though that's such a funny like way to animate it yeah i don't know i just maybe just because it's like a, a kid's film i mean but i feel like i feel like pixar can do a pretty good job 
of really creating those arcs and like giving people like motivation and development. I think that was like really apparent in soul. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't, I don't know. This was just kind of like a, a silly, a silly thing. Silly story. Yeah. I mean, my assumption is just that <clears throat> the, the story is just, it's just plot driven. It, it just doesn't, really depend on characters so much to develop it's just people have their motivations and they just kind of run with it because it's really just remy's and the rats as a whole feelings toward humans is the big shift mm-hmm. uh because yeah nobody else really changed i guess maybe colette has that moment where she sees anyone can cook in the the bookshop as she's leaving Linguini and like turns around and comes back but yeah but I mean I feel like she was always pretty down with you know anyone can cook because like that was the reason why she like stuck her like head out for Linguini in the first place that's true yeah you're right so that's not even really a Mm -hmm. change I think she was just sort of like reminded yeah yeah and was like oh I guess (laughs) if anyone can cook I guess a mouse or a rat can cook yeah just like ego realizes yeah uh yeah can we talk about ego let's talk about ego i love ego so much i think peter o'toole's voice acting is also just so phenomenal like it's it's uh, like just the way he like enunciates words to be like kind of flippant and an asshole uh just like how imperious and like how British, but also how French he is at the same time. It's like, I think that's really funny and just, I have just a good job. I think more of the Frenchness has to do with probably the, the animation and the character design. Whereas like Peter O'Toole is just like a, a stern British man. Yeah, I love all of the all of like the death imagery with his like typewriter. Also, like the fact that he is using a fucking typewriter when they have like Vespa scooters, you know, like, okay. (laughs) And um, I don't know. I just I I think that's funny. And like the the coffin shaped study of his um, also a good a good look. There's uh, the candlesticks on the walls look like skeleton hands. Yeah, I don't know. Just very, very fun. And then, like, the fact that he just, like, takes being a critic so seriously. I don't know. I just felt like it was very... I don't know. I just feel like... I don't know. Like, critics being assholes is, like, a thing. Yeah, and he's so up his own ass about it. Like, when uh, Linguini's like, oh, aren't you thin for someone who likes food? And he's like, I don't like food. I love it. And he goes on his like pompous rant about it. But also like gross. Like, oh, if I don't love it, then I don't eat it. And it's like, you're just like spitting food out. Like, that's nasty. Yeah, right. (laughs) Do you just have like a whole bunch of like rotting food, like lingering in your mouth? Probably. He's like gross and death. So, you know, whatever. And like he is literally death in the movie, which is great. Oh, because he killed... He Gusteau. killed Gusto, yeah. Because yeah, he like kills people with his like harsh reviews metaphorically. Did he kill but then, someone? well, like metaphorically, it, it's implied that his uh, harsh review of Gusto's that took away one of his like Michelin stars. 
Yeah, not necessarily Michelin stars, because they have five. Oh. And you only get three. Okay, well, you but, know, whatever. You know. The, yeah, the implication being some kind of star. Uh, but yeah, it gets taken away, and then Gusto died shortly after. And so then, it's sort of implied. Wait, Gusto killed himself? No, what? he died. No. What are you he talking just died. About? What movie oh. did you watch? Because <laughs> you said he he took away one of his stars and then Gusto died shortly after. I thought that I thought you were saying that the Gusto subtext. committed suicide. No, he of died of heartbreak. Yeah, I think that's what I mean. So like I don't oh. know. It, it could maybe that I mean, could be okay, a potential reading the of it. Wikipedia page says that he's based on a chef who killed himself. Oh really? Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. I only read this a few minutes ago. That's why I thought that's oh, what okay. I was talking about. Okay. <laughs> well, in that case. Maybe it's a little bit darker, be. but I mean, I don't know. It's a kid's movie, but there are, you know, there's domestic violence in it. So, like, I don't know what the priorities are for, like. I mean, the domestic violence is like a quick physical gag, so. Yeah. As it should be. <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like, if you're taking the rat corpses kind of in the context they're shown in the movie is kind of like showing like hanged people in like, like hanged human bodies in another animated movie. So yeah, because you know, the rats are pretty human, like all things considered. Yeah, right. They can speak and like have these complex family lives uh oh that also reminds me of another funny thing i learned uh so remy's brother emil is voiced by uh let me find it uh um the, the voice is a guy named peter Sohn, who is actually a storyboard artist at pixar and brad bird just like met this guy and cast him immediately for the role because uh just the way peter Sohn acted and behaved was the way he envisioned emil which is really funny because emil's just gross yeah <laughs> like he's a gross idiot and i guess brad bird was like look at this fucking slob he's perfect <laughs> that's so mean yeah like i would love to hear the actual like story behind that but my assumption is just like look at this goofy idiot like i'm gonna make him this like goofy idiot rat in the movie make him eat garbage right right and make him just like kind of dumb where he met peter so like he went out to like a dumpster and he was just in there no. like, diving for food i don't think so could be you don't know i guess i guess i don't know <laughs> peter Sone is like a freegan could be i hope so uh, let's go ahead and take a break. And then when we get back, we'll talk about rats. All right. And we're back. And this is your bi-weekly reminder to go to motionpicturepals.com to check out all of our cool links to our Substack, our Twitter, and uh, other places, too. Like the Discord. The Discord. Yeah. And why would people want to 
you know, do that. Why indeed would they? I mean, I feel like I, I keep saying it, so I don't know if I'm, I, I don't know why you people make me repeat myself, but you can come talk to us about movies or video games or memes or just cry about your life that you hate. I don't know, whatever you're into, you can do it on the Discord and I'll give it a thumbs up react if nothing else. Uh, I didn't actually think of a part of the movie I wanted to talk about when we came back. Um, okay, I have a question. Okay, yeah, go ahead. So, so the okay, maybe this isn't a question. It's, it's just an interpretation. But um, the the, the ghost, best kind of question. The the, the ghost of Gusto um, haunts Gusto. Remy for some reason. Go the Gusto character <laughs> haunts Remy for some reason. And it seems to be Gusto is like the Joker of this movie. He wants a rat to control a human in order to continue cooking from beyond the grave. Although later, I think it's revealed that Gusto Gusto says that he's a figment of Remy's imagination. So I think maybe Remy is behind everything, but he just like he needs an excuse. So he invents the ghost of of Gusto. So what I'm saying is Remy is the Joker in this movie. Oh. Yeah. Okay. I get behind that, sure. I also like that interpretation. Especially with just like, oh yeah, needs an excuse. You like creates this like character in his head, like hallucinates this like ghost person to encourage him to um I don't know, cook. I guess he, like, I don't know if it necessarily... I was trying to think about, like, voice of reason here. Because the ghost is, you know, tries to encourage him not to steal. Which they're very obsessed with the rats stealing the food throughout the movie. Yeah, I made um, which a note I thought about was that. Interesting. There seemed to be, like, a recurring <laughs> motif about, like, shaming the rats, the, like, the impoverished rats for stealing food that I wasn't really on board with. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it's also funny when you consider that like rats are predators if they're mm -hmm. not scavengers, uh, which is why they can't be friends with guinea pigs. I learned a while ago. Uh, so like if the rats weren't scavenging food or I guess like eating garbage and or stealing from the restaurant, they'd be like killing birds and rodents and eating them. Whoa, they can kill birds. They're, yeah, they're like small birds, obviously, but. It's fucked. Yeah, they're they like, like giant rats they in have like, like claws New York. and teeth. Ugh. Yeah, they can probably kill a lot of things. Gross. That's like, horrifying. Eat bugs and stuff too. I'm Ew. sure. But... Ew. Yeah, rats are gross. What do you want me to say? I don't know. I just like. I just want them to be cute cartoon rats. Yeah. I don't want them to be like gross. I want them to go through the dishwasher before I interact with them. <laughs> get oh. all their hair poofed out yeah yeah that was fun uh yeah yeah what do you get when you cross a rat with an overdeveloped sense of smell uh with a society that thinks he's a pest you get what you fucking deserve and that's what the gunshot was at the beginning was him killing that old lady just like robert de niro uh Oh, tough crowd tonight. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm just, I have a lot of notes, so I don't really know like where to start. There's just so just, many. Just go for it. Just throw um, it out there. 
there's a pretty I, this might be the Pixar movie with the highest body count. I think there's like five deaths in this movie. Who dies? Okay. Besides so, the rats in the window. So um, Remy throws a frying pan uh, into traffic. There's like a yeah. loud crash. I think you can imply that that two people maybe died there. Um, no, sorry, not Remy. Linguini. Linguini throws a frying pan. Well, oh, Remy yeah. kind of does because he's pulling on his hair. Uh-huh. Okay, but then it's Remy, kind of a trolley problem. Like who's who really is responsible? Remy kills a biker by like pointing at him and then the biker like just goes face first into a parked car and dies these are like the most fragile people who have ever existed (laughs) i feel like you can get in a car crash and like fall off your bike and not die i thought there was another but maybe not oh i wrote the rats try to kill a man that's the health inspector i'm pretty sure they they, like they like kidnap him canonically like killed in the movie, they're like, well, we had to let him go, which is funny that they acknowledge that. Because otherwise, yeah, he, I guess, would have, like, died of thirst in the walk-in. Yeah. I wonder where they got all the the, the duct tape and, and the, the rope. rope. <laughs> I don't know. Just also, just, like, supplies. imagine you see this, like... A swarm of rats. swarm of rats, like, carrying this man to an alley. Or imagine you're that man, and you see these rats running at you, and, like, several of them are holding up a coil of rope, and several more are holding a roll of duct tape. That's yeah, scary. I've seen, like, images yeah. of, you like, rat kings. It's fucking disgusting. Yeah. Ew. Oh, Ugh. here's the other one. The head chef causes a three-car collision. That does happen. I mean, again, I don't think these people died. I don't think they were driving very fast. But, okay. but they, at the they, very least, there there's was a lot of collateral damage. A yeah. lot of collateral damage. But France has universal health care, so they'll be okay. See, yeah, if this was set in America, fair. these people would be fucked. Absolutely. That's why this couldn't happen yeah, in like New they York. They'd be dead down the line. <laughs> there's also multiple penis jokes in this film. At least yeah. I'm pretty sure. Um, there's one no. where, well, the first one was about vegetables. Um, the which uh, one is that? Well, see, that's the one I'm only pretty sure about. It's um, uh, what's the what's the weird head chef's name? Is it Skinner? Skinner. Yeah. yeah. Um, Skinner is suspicious of Linguini with the vegetables, and when he leaves, he says something about like doing things with the vegetables, like unsavory things. Huh. This I didn't is when pick he's up on that as a dictator. Yeah, when he's talking to Remy, when he's like, we gotta get it together, little chef, or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I didn't pick up on that as a dick joke, but I maybe it may have just gone. I mean, I feel it. like it was like an innuendo. I mean, I guess that was more of a like a dildo joke. Yeah. Okay. I'll I, okay. I can I'll, see it. I'll believe you. I'll believe that. Okay. And then Yeah, um, well, because the other one is yeah. when he's talking to Colette, right? Yeah, and he's and he's talking about his the little rat that's on his head, but he doesn't say that there's a rat on his head, and she, I guess, she thinks he's talking about his penis. Well, she glances down at his crotch in that scene at one point. Too, yeah, I think that's he's like, I got a little it. secret. I'm gonna show you. <laughs> she like glances down, which is really funny. Like gets her pepper spray. And Linguini yeah. is also I, my favorite part about Linguini is that like. I don't know if this is just, I don't know if this is direction from the script or like the voice actor, but he's just like, he's always laughing. And sometimes it just like really inappropriate times. Sometimes <laughs> a scene will start with no context and he's just laughing and you, you don't, you don't get to know why he's laughing. He's just laughing. I yeah. think it's really funny. It is really funny. I mean, I think 
I like my interpretation is like he's just really awkward and it's just nervous laughter because he's like a moron and doesn't know what else to do. Right. But yeah, and like especially when he gets really stressed out, it becomes like more unhinged. Uh huh. And just, it's more like I don't know, like a a cackle. It's almost. more a, like a maybe like a Joker laugh, perhaps. <laughs> uh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what was I going to say? Oh, the pepper spray. Yeah, I like how they're kissing, and then Remy is like looking at the pepper spray, like bracing for it. Uh, I also saw a video of a guy here in Oregon getting pepper sprayed directly in the mouth. Oh. Which he was like an anti masker trying to like break into a hospital, and like there was like what? a cop or a security guard inside, and the guy had like his fingers in like the sliding double door trying to pry it open. And the cop just like lined up the pepper spray and sprayed it directly into the guy's mouth. And he like just turns and spits it out and just keeps right on trying to get it. Oh my God. Wow. <laughs> wow. I forgot about that until just now. This is a pretty recent. It might have been like earlier this weekend that this happened. Like where? In Oregon? <laughs> yeah, it was here somewhere. It was like a local reporter talking about it. I think it was like one of the like suburbs or exurbs of Portland, if I remember correctly. That's fucking crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. That is fucking crazy. I saw it on Twitter and everybody was just like, I cannot fucking imagine getting pepper sprayed like at that range, let alone just directly into my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> and I have to assume the cop like timed it to when the guy was yelling and like aimed it into his mouth, which is hilarious. <laughs> but yeah, good on that guy. He didn't really seem phased by it at all. Yeah. He's one of those guys that just like eats ghost peppers. And so he's like, this is the moment I've been training for. Or like, I don't know, it was one of those like crazy people who like sprays themselves with pepper spray to like build up a tolerance or something. I don't know. Oh, or maybe like get some Max. kind of sexual gratification out of it. Or right. that too, you know. Or both. I guess it, they are not. <laughs> those are mutually exclusive. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just, I'm very lost. I probably um, shouldn't have drank this beer. There's a I I really don't remember a lot of the context in this movie because I was still like the whole time I was just thinking about how no one has the right reaction to like a rat cooking. But there there was a scene where um there were a bunch of uh of of uh the, the dead chef the 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 ghost gusto or not not the ghost gusto but. The, the former living Gusto has like these cutouts of him to sell different frozen products, and they're all like racist caricatures. Yeah, and they start giving Remy advice, and I was bracing for the Asian one to start talking. I was too. Yeah, I'm glad that it's just the cowboy one and the like, the Colonel Sanders one. Yeah, and there's like a there's a burrito one. Yeah, there's yeah. a Mexican one and like an Italian one, right? I think so. So yeah, kind of racist. Yeah, yeah, they're wearing like stereotypical clothing, but yeah, definitely. and I think that's the point is that they're, like they're um they're the the scummy guys, yeah, inventions, yeah. and they're supposed to be racist, um, right? But yeah, like, I thought they really dodged a bullet there by not having the Asian one speak, and especially because like in two thousand seven, like I feel it was very acceptable. To have like your your like yellow face jokes 
and yeah. stuff in movies. Yeah, I mean, you had Newt Gunray hanging out in 2007. Yeah, right. And we, uh, we didn't talk about it in our Juno episode, but there's like the Asian girl who like can't speak English properly. We did right. talk about that like I, briefly. This is an afterthought that I had. I don't even remember if it made it into the episode or not. Yeah, oh. I don't think it made it into the episode. Yeah. <clears throat> but yeah, and then it would have been slightly before this, but there's just like straight up super racist yellow face jokes and like mad TV and like some of the sketches they have. So like it was. It was a big thing in like entertainment back then. So yeah, probably for the best. I'm also glad there wasn't like a black gusto cardboard yeah, cutout. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you couldn't have gotten away with that in any way. <laughs> <laughs> but I like I did find myself looking. I was like, "Boy, I hope that's not in the background somewhere." Uh I I feel like it's it's very clear that they're, you know, like, it's more like almost like cultural appropriation right. with like the costuming of people of, of Gusto, like where he has like instead of like the pans, it's like maracas or some shit. Yeah, like that. it's maracas. And then like, I think the Chinese one has like a bowl of rice in one hand and chopsticks in the other. It also has like a ver the, like, very thin beard and mustache. Mm hmm. Not cute. And like the very bushy mustache for the Mexican one. I think he has a sombrero or maybe. Yeah, he or has maybe a sombrero the... and he's wearing a poncho. And then he also has a cowboy hat. Yeah. Another one. Which is, I think the cowboy hat's fun. Yeah, you said oh, there yeah. was some, some like rewriting that happened in this movie, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay, yeah, Rebecca was like, looking at it, yeah. Like with the, um, like with the inheritance plot line and and this part with the um with the frozen foods like i was expecting this to have a bigger role in the film but it ended up sort of being just like a like a background character detail to sort of flesh out the uh the chef guy yeah apparently like the director um yeah rewrote the story um and he killed off gusto so like that kind of inheritance story was probably added later and then he framed anton ego i guess and then gave the joke larger is that Anton Ego killed Gusto, but oh, actually Brad Bird did it. Okay, I totally went over my head. I'm sorry. Um, and then I guess gave gave larger roles to Skinner and Colette, and you know, add the added like the romance probably that way. Yeah, yeah. The frozen food stuff is. It's interesting. I mean, I get it because it's like, oh, uh, Skinner is like a hack or a sellout or whatever. And like, I get it there. And then it's like extra scummy because like the review that uh, that took away the star from Gusto was like he compared him to Chef Boyardee. Yeah. But then but then it's weird that Skinner's plan is to kidnap Remy and like force him to come up with like frozen food recipes uh yeah, that felt i feel like goofy. there are infinitely more creative things you could do if you had kidnapped a rat that could cook or just i felt it made more sense for it to be just vindictive that's like oh let's see linguini succeed without you or whatever but i'm gonna open my own restaurant i don't know my own rat restaurant with but the rats are slaves gross Ew, nasty. There were a couple of scenes that I wrote down some dialogue from. 
because I felt like it was trying to uh, trying to communicate whatever the core message of the film is. Um, and it, one of them was the one where, where, where Remy's dad takes him to look at the dead rats <laughs> and, um, and, uh, they have sort of a, I, I didn't write down much of the conversation, but I, if I remember correctly, they had sort of a, a sort of like a, a normal parent and child argument where, where Remy's dad wants him to be one thing. And Remy is like, nah, I don't want to do that. And Remy says that, uh, that changes nature. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, that's what I wrote down. And then I, I another thing I wrote was at the end of the film when um oh where where did it go? My eyes can't find it. Oh, he says I pretend to be different things for different people, and then I think he says I'm a cook. I don't remember the context of that, but I wrote it down because I found it meaningful. Who said that? Remy. Remy. You know I, I didn't cite it. Maybe Linguini. I'm pretty sure it was def- it was definitely Remy. I am blanking on that one. Me too. I just I remember the the conversation of like change is nature, like with his dad. I do not remember. I try to be different things for different people, but I'm a cook. Hmm. I believe you, but I just I don't remember this. Maybe I just imagined it. Could be. <laughs> I don't. This was your own personal psychotic episode with Ghosto. Ghosto. Yeah. Whispering was, in your yeah, ear. Yeah. I was trying to find meaning in like the insanity of the plot. Yeah. Your mind imposed it with a little a ghost chef to, to tell you about it. Yeah, it seems like you were not able to like suspend your disbelief as well as we were able to. And I don't know if that's just because like I first watched it as like a kid. That's what I was wondering. It's like just because I we were like tweens or teens when we saw it first. And like so you're just more prepared for that. But yeah, no, but like it's fine that there's a there's a rat that can cook and that the rat like breaks the threshold of the magic rat land and like. Goes into the human world and stuff like that's all fine. The part that I, the part that just like I can't wrap my brain around is when people like when the revelation is made to other people, like when Linguini reveals Remy to everyone in the kitchen. Like there's the one guy that I think we decided was voiced by Will Arnett, the guy who killed the man with his thumb, and he walks up, and I really thought he was gonna like punch the rat or just like grab the rat and kill it or something because that's what a normal person would do but it's also it's also like it's it's ratatouille they're not going to do that so i that scene is just that's like probably the most insane moment of the film for me is that that he just he just leaves he just leaves that's all he does he 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 is introduced to world shattering revelations about the world and he just walks out of the kitchen like, he, <laughs> he, I don't know. Like, he, there's no reason for him to believe that the rat can cook. He, he should be looking at Linguini and being like, this man has lost his damn mind. I need to take <laughs> this rat. I need to get Linguini out of here. We need to get him some help. He needs help. But instead, everyone just leaves. And then what's even more insane is that, um, is that the, uh, the, the, the woman, Colette, she comes back and there's like a horde of rats in the kitchen and she's like, <laughs> She's disturbed by it, but not disturbed enough to, like, be normal about it. She just <laughs> sort of goes with it. Um, and then even Ego is just, like, he goes home and he, like, writes a review about the rat chef <laughs> without saying that the chef is a rat. 
Which makes me wonder, like, are there other instances of this in this world? Do are are there rat chefs in different in different countries and different continents? Do reviewers often write about rat chefs without explicitly saying that they're rats just because they were so moved? Um Yeah, I don't know. This film is really insane, I think. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely pretty insane. I would have to agree. I'm imagining like a whole world of like pest chefs in like various restaurants like a raccoon chef in america yeah and like a like a monkey chef in india or something <laughs> oh, <laughs> like no. a dingo chef in australia and then uh, maybe like rata and then the number two e could be like because like cars too they go international so maybe they could have like an international animal cooking contest of some kind. I don't know. I would. I think a raccoon chef would be really cute, though. I would like to see that. Speaking of cute chefs, me. Yeah. Oh. Um, my friend Jessica and I have been playing a lot of Overcooked oh, yeah. too. Oh, there's a raccoon chef there. There is a raccoon right. chef. And there's a lot of very cute, like, woodland <coughs> chefs that you can get in some of the DLC, and you can unlock them as you play. We were playing the, the campground one, and we were very excited about all of the cute... There's, like, an owl. Yeah, that's and there's something a little you Girl can Scout. do on our Discord, is you can play Overcooked with us. Oh, yeah, you can. Um, it's quite fun. Okay, I found the context I was looking for. So Remy is in the trunk. He's in the trunk and he's talking to Gusto. And, oh, um, okay. And and Remy says, "I'm sick of pretending. I pretend I'm a rat for my father. I pretend to, I don't know. I pretend I'm a rat for my father. I pretend <laughs> to be a human through Linguini. I pretend you exist so I have someone to talk to." <laughs> and then he says, "I know who I am. Why do I need to pretend?" And then I think later on he said, "I'm a chef," but that's okay. not here on this page. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I guess that is kind of like a core message. Yeah, in... Ratatouille sounds like a trans story to me. Oh, maybe. It's all about, like, performativity, and then Remy finds his identity. Sort of, like, I guess, like, in that. Yeah. That's a fun lens. That was my reading sort of, like, midway through the film on. I really like sure that. I'm sure it wasn't intentional, because this was, what, 2000 and seven yeah <laughs> so probably a not mainstream pixar film but... i think yeah you still had to make trans people like, like serial killers or, or something oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. and like you had then. to kill them in like your shows yeah. yeah another funny thing about this there i had there was something somebody said that reminded me i don't remember what it was it was a while ago but uh in the posters for this and all the promotional material, uh, Ratatouille is spelled out phonetically underneath <clears throat> the French word, which I think is just like a very funny, like handholdy thing that the marketing team did that they're like, these morons are going to call it Ratatouille. Like, we can't. <laughs> I remember. We can't, Ratatouille. We can't yeah. tell. <laughs> uh and then just my last little bit of trivia is that they were going to have a, a tie-in wine that had uh, Remy on it that was like the Ratatouille wine, but then people were concerned that uh, it would promote underage drinking 
Oh. Uh, and also the wine is going to be exclusive to Costco. What? I think that's really funny. And it's also funny because like, I guess maybe the idea is kids are going to find the wine at home and drink it because like their beloved like fat character is on it. But I was thinking about like a kid going to Costco with like a fake ID and buying wine <laughs> to get drunk. <laughs> or I was wine. thinking... I was thinking like teens who have like fake IDs, like getting fake IDs to buy the Ratatouille wine. Yeah, right, yeah. right. So that was a thing. I used to work at a really fancy grocery store and like we would get the memo from the, the liquor control board in Oregon whenever they'd be like trying to, to nail you because you'd always get it's like, oh, this month, you know, the liquor control people were going to be uh sending like decoys out into the wild and like you gotta make sure you're carding people if they look young and i was like i would do it just because like it was was what i had to do but it was also funny because the only like young looking people who were buying wine were buying like 60 plus dollar bottles of wine and i was like man if these are if these are teens (laughs) that are trying to get drunk with this stuff like i don't i don't know what the hell they're doing like this is just so alien to my childhood because like i was drinking like vodka out of plastic jugs at, when i was a teen getting drunk fancy ratatouille wine from costco yeah my french ratatouille branded disney pixar wine uh Oh, speaking of expensive wine, though, all of the the wines that people talk about in this movie are like actual uh, vintages of expensive French wine. Uh, and I, the one that Anton Ego orders is like would be like a two thousand dollar bottle if you got it at a restaurant. Whoa, fuck <laughs> that. Yeah, I was reading about it and it's like the Chateau Blanc Cheval 1947 or whatever. And I and I think it's in the Wikipedia is where I saw it, but it said that's like optimal drinking window will go as late as like 2050. It's like pretty crazy to think you can like drink a wine and it's like still optimal flavor, like over 100 years after it was bottled. But that's crazy. Wine is crazy. That reminds me, there's a really fun couple of documentaries about wine called psalm and psalm into the bottle that i really enjoyed so that's i don't know if you like wine or think it's neat you should watch those i guess this is a movie podcast so can talk about other movies that i liked well since i'm just recommending documentaries uh i think we're probably at the end unless either of you have anything important you need to say before we close out what movie are we watching next time? Kong Skull Island. Why did you pick Kong Skull Island? <laughs> because um, because Godzilla vs. Kong is coming out sometime, I think March. And I like The Monkey. Uh, yeah, no, Kong Skull Island is a good movie. <laughs> I, I think it kind of went under a lot of people's radar. I Just because, like... I don't know. I, mean, I think most people were like, oh, it's another King Kong movie. Um, yeah, I mean, that's what we talked about before recording. I was like, yeah, I saw Peter Jackson's King Kong and didn't think it was very good. So I didn't really take King Kong series or Kong Skull Island. Yeah. 
Seriously. I revisited it this week because I was I was binging on Godzilla and Friends movies. You're trying um, to research who's gonna win versus Godzilla no, and really. King Kong. <laughs> <laughs> Doing your research, betting. You're gonna write like a multiple thousand word Reddit post about why one or the other is gonna win. What is Godzilla? Like, what is a Godzilla? Godzilla is a kaiju. He is a uh, a probably several hundred thousands years old creature who lives in the uh, in the tunnels beneath the earth, and um, in various iterations, he is awoken because of dumb things that humans do, like set off nuclear bombs. And yeah. then, but King Kong is. King Just Kong is a big, big monkey. Big monkey. A monkey. <laughs> big, big monkey. But like... Big, big monkey. Why, why are King they Kong fighting? Is, King Kong is a... Uh, King Kong is, is a big native monkey. He is... Uh, he, in, the, in the King Kong story, he is the uh, native creature who is oppressed when the uh, explorers come and try to colonize his island. Right. So he's a metaphor for like indigenous people and Godzilla is a metaphor for nuclear weapons and environmentalism. Right. I don't know why they're fighting. Why are they fighting? I, I yeah. don't know. Um, we're going to find out in March, I guess. Yeah, we're I mean... going to find out. Because that is part of the trailer. It's um, why are they fighting? Okay. We don't know. All right. I have thoughts about that, but, you know, we can we can move on. Yeah. Because Ken Watanabe told them. Yeah, I mean, I just feel like that kind of like falls into the whole idea that like native. Do you think they should fuck instead? Yeah, actually, I, I, I think so. Yeah, I think they too. need to like come together and like present a unified front. Stay tuned for our King Kong Godzilla slash fic. <laughs> okay, that's all. Yeah. Uh, thanks for listening, folks. Uh, if you want more of this, you can go to motionpicturepals.com to uh, sign up for newsletters so you're notified uh, when we do invariably release uh, our romance between King Kong and Godzilla. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter. Just follow the link once again at motionpicturepals.com and join the Discord and play Overcooked with us. Uh, you can also be a, a pest who cooks. That's right. Or just a pest in general. Just sending ats to everybody all the time. Do you think they'll make a Ratatouille too? I don't no. think so. Like I think you can. You can call it Ratatouille. In the that's exactly what I said. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's I mean, right they made there. Incredibles too. There was no real reason to do that, but they did it anyway. They set that up though. No, they didn't. They totally did. Yeah. At the no, end. no, yeah, no. I know everyone interprets it that way, but my interpretation of the end of the Incredibles <laughs> is that like the world moves on and there are more villains and there are more superheroes. They weren't supposed to literally bring back the underminer. That was really dumb. I don't know why they did that. Wow, Travis right. on a soapbox. I I guess I disagree, but uh, yeah, I think though if they were going to make Ratatouille, they would have done so or would have marketed it. Yeah, and how many fucking Cars movies are there now? Like three? There's three I Cars movies, and three. there's there's two spinoff Planes movies. Oh fuck! Wow. And there's a TV show. There's also a about TV show. Cars. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it was really popular with the kids, and it, it sold was. a lot of toys. My so. brother loved cars. Yeah. So, 
I think that was another one of like the ten movies we had. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah. Okay. Well, goodbye for real this time. I guess. I maybe Travis right, is in the, the, the. So long, farewell. <laughs> goodbye. Are they like doing that because of like binge watching TV um, shows and so like a lot people? Of people think it's no. I mean, Zack Snyder has always. I mean, Zack Snyder has like a three and a half hour cut of Watchmen, and there's like a there's like a close to three hour cut I think of Batman v Superman. That's just like how he he's kind of like Peter Jackson. Like he'll he'll have theatrical releases and then he'll have like really ridiculously long extended why would you ever want media to releases? do something for that long and like not move yeah i don't know i've i think we talked about this last time but i watched i went to see fellowship of the ring extended in theaters and it honestly sucked it was not fun at all because i mean i can like <laughs> do that with like video games but i if i'm like really engaged with something and i guess i don't Maybe this is like the issue that I have with watching movies anyway is like I don't have the attention span to like do that. I get like fucking bored. Yeah. Yeah, I have I have a pretty low tolerance for like movies that don't hold my attention, but I've like I've sat there like captivated by really long movies if they're good. Yeah, um, right. There's one that I was thinking of recommending this week, but it didn't make it on my list. I think it's called I'm trying to look this up on Netflix. What was it called? Burning? Yeah, Burning. Burning. I think it's like three hours long. Oh, I guess it's only two and a half hours long. That's but it's a, it's long, a, yeah. Yeah, it's a real slow burn. I don't even know how to describe it because it's like... Slow burning, uh, am I right? It's the Korean guy from The Walking Dead and his like, girlfriend leaves and then comes back and there's like a mysterious man who's with her and the whole movie is like what the fuck is going on because this guy seems really nefarious and it sounds really boring but it goes on for like two and a half hours and it's really good and like i just sat through the whole thing all in one sitting because i needed to know what the hell was going on that's cool no this looks good it's got a cool poster too at least on the wikipedia article i like that yeah it's a good movie um check it out is it on uh it's on Netflix. Okay. The only note that I never got to in our discussion was when uh, Linguini is like, he's doing this weird multitasking thing where he is simultaneously answering like questions for reporters while having a photo shoot done, yeah. which is really weird. <laughs> yeah. And right. also they show really clearly the, the outline of Remy like in his hat yeah when the camera flashes flash photography yeah. and it's like everyone's gonna know that there's a rat in your hat. <laughs> i definitely i distinctly remember the first time i saw the movie i was like oh like the next scene is going to be like with the photo that has the rat silhouette of of him and that's gonna be like the big twist and like the big wrinkle in the plot but it didn't happen. Yeah, nothing that I thought would happen in this movie actually happened. It was a lot milder than I thought it could have been for a yeah. story about a rat who cooks. Did you ever see Flushed Away, the like claymation rat movie? 
No, yes. Starring that sounds really familiar. Oh. Actually, I saw it not a super long time ago and was like, it was better than I thought it was going to be. But I mean, it's still not great, but it's a little bit more like rat society exists in the sewer. Oh, yeah, they look like um, they look like Wallace and Gromit. Yeah. Just all those Wallaces and Gromits running around. <laughs> is there? Why do they look like that? Is it? Is this from the same people? Or is this know. just like? Probably. I assume okay. it is. It seems like if it's not the same people, that the Wallace and Gromit people should be able to sue them. Copyright <laughs> infringement, because. Oh, they got the soundtrack. They got all the classics. They got Dancing with Myself by yeah. Billy Idol. They got Are You Gonna Be My Girl by Jet. They got What's New Pussycat. They got Yakety Sax. Yeah. Don't Worry, Be Happy. What a soundtrack. It's, yeah. There's a lot going on. It's also, it's like aggressively British. Oh, I see. Yeah. Oh, 2006. So I guess fucking it was still like a dream work. Like we've got to release like very strange. Everybody's got to have a rat movie. It starts with an ant movie. Then it's a (laughs) fucking rat movie. Oh, so in this movie, the mice are good and the rats are bad. Oh, so is he a mouse and not a rat? Yeah, but it says he gets flushed by a rat. And then it says there's a toad with rats who are the bad guys. Yeah, I remember it's they're like an organized crime thing going on down there, I think. And I, so I looked it up and yeah, uh, it's Ardman Animation. Uh, have, they had at least animated the uh, Wallace and Gromit Curse of the Weir Rabbit movie. As well as Chicken Run. Have you seen Chicken Run, by the way? Yeah, we we had that as like a VHS tape. I watched that many times. Yeah, that was a good one. My mom was like, Rebecca, you should watch that. Fuck no. <laughs> it looks horrifying. Yeah. But then I watched other horrifying movies like James and the Giant Peach and was totally fine with it. So I don't know. Yeah. Other like scary claymation movies. Yeah. I used to have like a weird fascination with the uh, there's a scene where they're like on a production line or something trying to avoid machines and shit. Uh huh. And then like there's another scene like that in in Star Wars Attack of the Clones. I was just about to say that. Yeah, I don't know why I used to think those scenes were really interesting. Just, just like, like the similar stuff. No, just like independently as a child, I was I was drawn to scenes of um, people on conveyor belts avoiding big machinery. It is a weird trope that is like (laughs) it feels like it's really common. But I can't really think of examples besides those two. And I think Toy Story 2 kind of has one. Oh, yeah, you're right. You're right. I'm trying to think of more. It's so there's like I feel it's maybe been in like TV shows like Tom and yeah, Jerry this kind of a thing. Such a prevalent trope. I bet if I probably find it. I don't it. know what it would be called though. Conveyor belt trope.
Yeah, conveyor belt of doom is what it's called on TV. Oh, okay. Which is what I kind of assumed it would be called. It's a very John Green thing to call it. I guess it's in Kung Fu Panda 2. (laughs) I've never seen that. I remember it being surprisingly good. Like, I don't think it's a good movie, but it's just like not nearly as stupid as I thought it was going to be. Mm -hmm. Oh, I think it was a common gag in like silent films. Oh, okay. It's in Minority Report. Yeah, I was just reading that. That's the one where it looks like he got killed. Yeah, it looks like he got turned into a car. car. Yeah. (laughs) Sherlock Holmes. Don't remember that movie. I I just remember it being like other Guy Ritchie movies, but like not as fun. Yeah. Because it's not about like underclass, like British criminals. I mean, they made two of them, and I think, like, I think they did really well because, like, people liked Robert Downey Jr. and yeah. Sherlock Holmes. I mean, I saw the first they never one. Never made a third one. I saw. Yeah, them. I've seen the first one. The first one was like it was fine. I liked it. Yeah, but... I remember thinking it was fine. Yeah, but I wasn't particularly like blown away or anything. Yeah, well, because I specifically remember people were like, "Dude, that scene where he like <laughs> the time slows down and <laughs> people," and I was like, "Yeah, that's like a thing in like almost all of Guy Ritchie's movies. There's like a scene like that." If not that more or less exact thing. 